The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome to our show. Trip Talk is brought to you by our good friends at Sabre. Did you know that there are 38,000 carjackings and 6 million car accidents occurring each year in the U.S.? Now you can protect yourself and your family with Sabre's new Safe Escape Automotive Tool, the only three-in-one car tool of its kind. The Safe Escape features a seatbelt cutter, a stainless steel glass breaker, and Sabre's maximum strength pepper gel. Protect yourself and your family with the new Safe Escape from Sabre. Available now on SabreRed.com. That's S-A-B. R-E-R-E-D.com and use the offer code American Road to receive 20% off your purchase. Once again, we're so delighted to have you join us for another edition of American Road Trip Talk. Today, we're going to go coast to coast in a Ford Model T. That's right. What an amazing concept and what an amazing man to pull that off with some help from his friends. I'm talking about Tom Cotter, and he has put it together in a beautifully written and illustrated book called Just That, Ford Model T Coast to Coast. And the subtitle is pretty instructive, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. Gorgeous pictures in here with photography by Michael Allen Ross. But Tom Cotter is the man of the hour for Trip Talk. Tom Cotter, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much, Gary. I will have to quote right from the cover of the book. This is what a compliment. I really get the underlying meaning. Anybody who reads this book is really going to get what Jay Leno himself meant when he said, Tom Cotter bravely attempts to do something thousands of Americans did on a regular basis before World War II. And we're nowhere near World War II, except when we look at the spirit of this adventure you had. It's so incredible to me, Tom. I, I was asking myself, where do I want to begin? And I said, well, why don't you just jump in the middle of this and we'll find out where Tom takes us in his Ford Model T. To begin with, to plan something like this must have been both a logistical dream and a real challenge for you. It was quite some time putting this together. Why don't we get started talking about how you prepared to make this coast-to-coast trip? Well, sure. The It was a it was a trip that, you know, one of these trips you plan in your head that you never really liked, like the Appalachian Trail. Oh, I'm going to do that one day. Somehow it gets away from you. And I thought this would be one of those trips. But I happened to be at a racetrack, a vintage racetrack in West Virginia called Summit Point, and a guy would drive there every day uh, in a Model T, a speedster. And I said, oh, that's a cool car. And so I went over his house. He lived a mile away. And I looked at all his cars. He had a neat collection of cars. And I said, you know, as I was leaving, I said, you know, I looked at his Model T and said, I've always wanted to drive one of these across the United States. And he said, so have I. I said, really? He said, yeah. Wow. So that I went home and about a week later called him. I said, okay, I'm really thinking about driving a Model T across the United States. He said, let's do it together. So it was literally a year to the day from the time I met him to the time we left 2nd Avenue I'm sorry, uh, Broadway and, and 42nd Street in, in Times Square and left for California. Uh, so it, it, it took a year. We could have done it sooner, but what route do we choose? I had already done a book about Route 66. Uh, I didn't want to do that again. 
And then I found out there was this very significant route called the Lincoln Highway, which is the, the oldest cross-country road in America. It was, it was uh, built in 1913. And uh, I said, you know what, that would be a good route to use. And it thankfully was mostly secondary roads. And so we got to live a little bit of the life that people traveling 100 years ago would have experienced. And I snuck a peek, I have to confess, Tom. I went to a couple of YouTubes that you did to tease the book, which is pretty good marketing. And in the process, I learned something new. And there's so much to learn on virtually every page of this wonderful book you've written there. But what I learned is that when people refer to the Lincoln Highway and ask when was it built, built isn't exactly the word for it after all. Right. It was a collection of uh, goat paths and, and little country roads that were selected uh, to make it the shortest. The same guy that designed the Lincoln Motor Speedway. He was a bit of a car freak back in the day. And so he took he tried to use existing roads as much as possible. But, but roads might be a stretch because many times if it rained, the roads were impassable. Uh, there was when it was built in 1913, and when it, when it was designated, there was virtually no pavement on it. So states would give towns, certain towns, uh, money to pave a road, and it could be paved in concrete, it could be paved in bricks or gravel. But they were trying to encourage municipalities along the way to add pavement so that driving could become uh, a little more civilized. And so it did become, and and with that, thereby hangs a tale, Tom, because driving may have become more civilized, but people began to miss out on a lot of the romance of the open road. You make a very telling point of that throughout the book when you indicate that, for example, their technology is such that we are, I wouldn't say welcome necessarily, but we are experiencing the advent of driverless cars. That's not that far up the road on the horizon of technology. And you very poignantly state that when we get to the point where everybody has a driverless car, we will have efficiency, but we're going to sacrifice the romance of the road and the opportunity to visit the places that our parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents got to experience by design intentionally when they drove these great highways and byways instead of treating all these wonderful, very picturesque regions as flyover states. Right. It was... It was actually uh, an Elon Musk, uh, who's the head of Tesla, a quote from him, and it was that he believed that by the winter of 2017, that he believed that he could take his family on a cross-country vacation and never touch the steering wheel. And it was his goal to leave from Los Angeles and drive to New York in one of his cars, being driven all the way by robotics. And I said... That's it. I've had enough. This, 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 that's, that's the end of the road for me. And, and I decided before Elon did that driverless drive that I was going to do a drive where the driver was very much a part of the, uh, uh, you know, of, of the experience. And, uh, you know, we experienced cold and heat and rain and uh, potholes and lost, getting lost in uh, old hotels and old restaurants, uh, 
and I was I was gonna you know before Elon Musk had a, a chance to prove me wrong, I was gonna do it the way you know kind of our forefathers did, and it, it was the best move I made. I I figured that cars started to become robotic when intermittent windshield wipers started. That means they they would come on as needed during a mist instead of a rain, and then high beams started to flash themselves up and down by themselves, and then cruise controls that could pace the car in front of you, and little by little we're falling into uh, we're kind of robots ourselves. We're not really driving cars anymore. We're kind of being guided, okay, do this now, do that now, but the are driving themselves. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a car guy. I restore cars. I hunt for cars. I race cars. It ain't going to happen for me, man. No, I really understand that. When I think about the first time I successfully, I'm not saying elegantly, but successfully executed the three-point turn, or I parked <laughs> parallel, and I managed not to hit anybody, I thought that was quite the accomplishment. And now, I, for years, we've been seeing these commercials where your car will park itself, and I'm mm. saying... I don't even say I, I wish that was around when I was younger. I say there is a skill that is going to become archaic, and it makes me feel a little uh, sad. Well, you know, I have a, a, an F-150 with a, a dashboard-mounted screen, and I can back up without turning my head. My wife's got a Mercedes, and we can back up without turning our head. And it's really odd because you get spoiled with things like that. And then I jump into my 39 Ford Woody Wagon, and I back up, and I'm looking at this vintage dashboard waiting for it to give me a, a television screen. Oh, wait, <laughs> I, I actually have to turn my head on this car. Uh, so, you know, when you were a kid, you, heard, you, you learned about how things are going to be in the future, that ha things were going to become so easy that one day people will not leave these legs anymore. They wouldn't have to go anywhere. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> we can't let it come to that. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's scary in its way. I want to uh, ask you, Tom, about about the car itself and then with that i just i need to give you credit here you have a reverence for cars you have a reverence for american history you have a, a reverence and a special delight in road travel along these highways and byways and it is symbolically represented when you did something that I had never heard about before, I, well, I think my jaw dropped when I found out that when you began this coast-to-coast -coast trip in your Ford Model T, you actually baptized the tires. And apparently it's a ritual. I never knew about that. This was a ritual. Uh, another ritual that I did on the Route 66 trip was before we left Chicago, I got a bottle and went to Lake Michigan and filled this little water bottle up with water. And then when I got to Santa Monica, I poured the bottle of Lake Michigan water into the Pacific Ocean. I said, so I've done that, so now I've got to do the, the, the real baptism, which is dipping your wheel in the Atlantic Ocean upon departure and then dipping your wheel in the Pacific Ocean when you get to San Francisco. And so we, we did that. And uh, <laughs> in New York, we kind of raised a little bit of uh, a fuss because think about the 9-11 tragedy and the Twin Towers. Yes. So you know, driving a car towards the water on a boat ramp gets gets attention. So <laughs> we uh, we had to find a spot where the, the, the police didn't mind. The, you know, I, I promise you, we, we, we have no ulterior motive. Uh, so they were all kind of jealous when we told them we're leaving for California, and they, they allowed us to do that. And if they looked at the car from behind, they would know what was going on because it says California or bust. I mean, that's, 
you look at old pictures of you know vintage pictures of people taking road trips, and that was the thing on the back: California or bust. So uh, it, it, it was a we lived a dream that I never really thought could happen. I envy you. I truly do. Tom Cotter is our guest. He has ri- he's written several books. He is an automotive enthusiast, and that's putting it mildly, but he is a respecter of the classics and as well of the open road. The book we're talking about today is Ford Model T Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country, and I think we'll get into the implications of that subtitle momentarily. Let me take just a moment, though, to bring you some news from our friends at Sabre. They asked the question, did you know that there are 38,000 carjackings and 6 million car accidents occurring each year in the U.S.? Now you can protect yourself and your family with Sabre's new Safe Escape Automotive Tool. Sabre, the number one pepper spray brand trusted by police worldwide, offers the only three-in-one car tool of its kind. The Safe Escape features a seatbelt cutter to slice through malfunctioning seatbelts in seconds, a stainless steel glass breaker for speedy escape, and Sabre's maximum strength pepper gel with a range of up to 12 feet and 25 bursts per canister. That's one safety tool that helps you escape to safety after a serious accident and helps protect you against dangerous threats you may encounter while driving or walking to or from your vehicle. Now available at saberred.com. That's S-A-B-R-E-R-E-D.com. Use the offer code American Road to receive 20% off your purchase. Welcome back. We are very fortunate to talk with the author, Tom Cotter. He wrote a book called Ford Model T Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. And we are going to get into some of the details, though. When you buy the book, you're going to be feasting on on really going through a vicarious, unbelievable bucket list road trip with Tom Cotter himself. And he also had a partner who helped him out and a support crew, small but mighty, that engineered this feat. Tell us a bit, Tom, about the car itself. People say, okay, Ford Model T, and they think of this uh, little black roadster as though it were just one type of car, but you selected one specific style of Model T. What was it, and why did you use it? Well, it was a Model T roadster built in 1926. A roadster is a a two-seater convertible, and this one had been mildly modified as if as if you were a, a kind of a hot rodder back in the 20s. So it was modified. The fenders were taken off. The windshield was chopped a little bit lower. Uh, and, and a radio overhead valve conversion uh, was put on the, on, the, on the head. It was originally a flathead or an L-head engine, and it was turned into an overhead valve. Um, and we put disc brakes on the front of it uh, because Model T's organically don't have brakes on the wheels. They have a brake on the transmission. So if, if for some reason one of the cotter fins broke on the wheels, you would have no brakes. And we felt in areas like Wyoming, the speed limit was 80 miles an hour, that, that you know we needed to have a car that went a little bit faster and slowed a little bit quicker. So a, a stock Model T would go uh, maybe 40 miles an hour top. And our Model T, because of the slight modifications that were made, and they were all period modifications except for the disc brakes, uh, our car would go, uh, I think we had it up to 70 miles an hour, which is <laughs> uh, in the desert with the wind behind us going slightly downhill. Um, and, uh, but, so, 
the, the car was modified, and I'm glad it was, because I might still be on that trip had it not been. Uh, it was built by a guy named Dave Coleman, and Dave is a Porsche racer and a, a, a master engineer and, and racing mechanic. And, and even though he races, you know, fast Porsches that go incredibly quick, uh, his passion is Model T, and he thinks it's the most significant vehicle ever built. And so Dave, you know, balanced and blueprinted the motor, but didn't do anything to it that, that what couldn't have been done back in the day. And, and we took off and figured we had to do about 250 miles a day to stay on target, which was three weeks. And, well, some days uh, we were trying to beat a snowstorm, or some days uh, we just wanted to get a lot of miles under our belt. And so, actually, we had a couple of 450-mile days. Now, 450 miles a day in a, in a Model C, that's a lot of miles. And when you're, I'm sitting one inch away from my co-driver. He's driving. I'm driving. But you both have to get out of the passenger door, a little tiny passenger door. Uh, so, you know, if, if he had to get out to go to the restroom or something, I had to get out, too. And so that was a bit of a deal. So once you're in your little uh, kind of cocoon behind the dashboard, you don't want to leave any time soon. So if we were having a good day, we just we just kept on trucking. Um, not one Model C, not one breakdown, not one breakdown. 3,300 miles worth of driving in a 100-year-old car and not one breakdown. Just an amazing piece of equipment. That is extraordinary. When I read that, I thought not even one come on. No, I mean, you had, what, one spare tire with you? We had one spare tire. We had, well, actually, we had a support vehicle. Ford Motor Company gave us a new vehicle, an SUV, and, and our photographer, Michael Allen Ross, followed with his camera gear and some spare parts. Um, so uh, we had, a, we had a, a support vehicle, and we, I wanted to have a breakdown picture in the book. So I faked a, <laughs> faked a breakdown on Highway 50, which is the loneliest road in America in Nevada, and we faked a, a flat tire. And just for the photo, it looked it looked neat. But otherwise, we had I think we had a the horn re, uh, the horn relay went out, and we couldn't beep uh, the Uga horn anymore. That's that's the, as big a uh, a problem as we had. You no wonder you baptized the tires. You were blessed on this trip. That is just <laughs> that's astounding to me. And so you here you are in the something special, which was the nickname of the car. And you're going along, and by the way, our listeners may well not know this, I didn't know it until I read the book, that this car doesn't even have an odometer, so if you're plotting out how many miles you want to go, you needed to have a car with one of those so that you could, you, you're not going to use a sextant, look at the stars, you wanted an odometer <laughs> and, and be able to gauge how far you went each day. Right. We, we noted the mileage on the Ford Escape that we had, that Ford loaned us. We noted the mileage when we left New York. And we noted the mileage when we got to California, and this way, and then, and then every evening when we stopped driving, so we got to keep track of how many miles we drove a day, and then collectively how many miles we drove altogether. But a Ford Model C has no speedometer, it has no odometer, it has uh, an amp gauge, and an accessory thermometer, which just tells you how hot it is, the ambient air temperature. And ours had a motor meter mounted on the radiator, which tells you how how warm the engine was getting but you know there are there are no, no creature comforts in that car so originally we were going to leave our cell phones home and go totally disconnected but then we felt for safety reasons and maybe for navigational purposes 
we decided to bring our cell phones, and, and we used them minimally. Uh, it, there was something romantic about being disconnected for three weeks, but uh, we decided to let safety uh, guide us on that one. Well, that makes sense. When it comes to the book itself, I really have to congratulate you on the layout, your prose, the great photography, and even the way you organized it. This is genius. You did it by time zone. And I thought to myself, this is how I would want to write a travel book. If I'm going by, if it's a road trip and I'm going by time zone, I am going to associate each zone, each region with the special people I met along the way. And you certainly met them. So I think the organization of the book itself is very inviting to the reader. I've, I've done a couple of road trip books, and I've organized it by day. I've organized it by date. And I just felt this was the one opportunity I had going coast to coast. This was the one opportunity I had to do something that very few books would allow you to do. And so we got to uh, you know go through each time zone, and, and that was a chapter, so to speak, and everything that is contained in that chapter is what we experienced in those states. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it was different, and, and I love the way it was laid out. The way I read a book, and I, I have to assume maybe other people do too, you know, there's, there's three books you can read. The first one I, I go through, flip through, and I read all the photocats. And the second time I go through, and I read all the sidebars. And the third time I read the book. And so that's the way it's laid out. It's, it's laid out for somebody like me who maybe has to do a couple of uh, trial runs before he dives into the actual copy of the book. And so I, I wrote lengthy and hopefully informative uh, photo captions. And then uh, the, the, for the next round, uh, sidebars. Lots of sidebars about people we met, about things we did, uh, about... Uh, you know, the Lincoln Highway history and Ford Model T history and blah, blah, blah. And then the third time was a copy. And uh, so I, I hope people enjoy that, but it's, it's made to be easily consumed. Oh, and it definitely is, Tom. Uh, you know, we, we had just a few minutes left, but I thought I would mention the people that you met, some of whom were thrilled to be a part of the experience wherever you stopped. They wanted to get in on the photos, get in on the story that was unfolding. I'm thinking in particular of a lady and her co-workers. They were a team from Savannah, or in Savannah. They're right there on the Mississippi River, and they had as their task the dismantling and the proper handling of chemical weapons that in some cases dated back to World War One. I. I wouldn't expect to meet people doing that sort of thing on a road trip, but you have them, and they are featured in the photography of the book. What a story. You know, it, it's all about the people. The, the car is a catalyst to collect human interest stories. And, and so when we checked into our hotel that night, we tried to stay in vintage hotels, but that's not always possible. They're either booked or, you know, they're out of the way or whatever. So we checked into our modern hotel and met these people. They said, why don't you have dinner with us? I said, where are you eating? They said, right here. And they were using the hotel barbecue, and they're making, you know, uh, all sorts of ribs and hamburgers. And we sat down with them, and they wanted to learn about us, and then we wanted to learn about them. Everybody has a story. Everybody. I could have made this trip three years long or three months long. It, it actually only wound up being 15 days long, but it could have just gone on and on with people I met. 
I see that as very clearly the case. And my compass is always pointing when I'm on the road, pointing to either, this might not be true of you, but either I'm going for convenience and I go for the fast food and then I regret it because there's an experience lost in there somewhere. But quite often I will find the place that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's usually a family owned restaurant. It might classify as a diner, but at any rate, Right, a restaurant, right. a coffee shop. And I find that this is where you get the local flavor, not only of the food, but of the population. You get to know the people and you pay homage to diner life in this book. I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> well, in fact, I think you special. said something in there like, like if you go to one of the fast food chains and you assume that's a hamburger, you didn't grow up in New Jersey. I thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, New Jersey has the best hamburgers. But, you know, I've, I've lived on the East Coast my whole life, New York, now North Carolina. People who live on the coast, whether the East or West Coast, really don't know what America's like. You know, we, we, we fly from coast to coast, but very seldom do we wind up in Nebraska or Iowa. And only when you drive on the road at full speed and you can smell farms and smell people mowing their lawns and, and smell manure plants, uh, you really learn what, what, what life in America is really all about. That is absolutely true. For me, I can remember trips I've made. Uh, I live most of my life so far on the West Coast. I live in Florida now, but the bottom line is traveling through the state of Washington, I have the distinct recollection in two different places there that really run along the line of I-5 north and south of paper mills. And I go, oh, oh yeah. that's what a paper mill smells like. And I didn't know it before, but even talking about it now, I can recollect what that was like. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Well, with this this wonderful book of yours, I want to give the title out once again. Ford Model T Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. Tom Cotter has given us a gem, and I have to give kudos to his photographer, Michael Allen Ross. The text, the imagery is just fantastic. It makes you feel like you went along for the ride. And if you've got an, a very extensive bucket list, and I imagine you do, Tom, you must have other such adventures in mind in years to come. I do. And I, I have kind of in the back of my mind now, I'd like to do the big diagonal. I'd like to take an interesting car, I'm not sure which one, and drive from Key West, Florida to uh, Dead Horse, Alaska, which is the longest drive to make in America, in North America. And uh, it's about 6,600 miles. And I'd like to do that for a charity. I'd like to do that for cancer research and maybe have people pledge money per mile or something like that. Or somebody could buy the car at the far end. We'll do an auction or something. I haven't quite figured that part out yet. But I've got a few more trips left in me. And as you take them, we'll be following you and wanting to hear about it when you come back. That is for sure. Tom Cotter, author of Ford Model T Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. Thanks so much, Tom. I hope we have the chance to talk on the air again. I hope so, too, Gary. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. 